Let us turn and hear the word of our Lord from the epistle of 1 Corinthians, the 15th chapter, beginning in the first verse. Now, I would remind you, brothers, of the gospel I preached to you, which you received, in which you stand, and by which you are being saved, if you hold fast to the word I preached to you, unless you believed in vain. For I delivered to you as of first importance what I also received, that Christ died for our sins in accordance with the scriptures, that he was buried, that he was raised on the third day in accordance with the scriptures, and that he appeared to Cephas, then to the twelve, then he appeared to more than five hundred brothers at one time, most of whom are still alive, though some have fallen asleep. Then he appeared to James, then to all the apostles. Last of all, as to one untimely born, he appeared also to me, for I am the least of the apostles, unworthy to be called an apostle, because I persecuted the church of God. But by the grace of God I am what I am, and his grace toward me was not in vain. On the contrary, I worked harder than any of them, though it was not I, but the grace of God that is with me. Whether then it was I or they, we preach, and so you believed. This is the word of our Lord. Thanks be to God. Hear the word of our Lord from our Old Testament reading, Exodus chapter 20, beginning in the first verse. And God spoke all these words, saying, I am the Lord your God, who brought you out of the land of Egypt, out of the house of slavery. You shall have no other gods before me. You shall not make for yourself a carved image or any likeness of anything that is in heaven above or that is in the earth beneath or that is in the water under the earth. You shall not bow down to them or serve them, for I, the Lord your God, am a jealous God, visiting the iniquity of the fathers on the children to the third and the fourth generations of those who hate me, but showing steadfast love to thousands of those who love me and keep my commandments. You shall not take the name of the Lord your God in vain, for the Lord will not hold him guiltless who takes his name in vain. Remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. Six days you shall labor and do all your work, but the seventh day is a Sabbath to the Lord your God. On it you shall not do any work, you or your son or your daughter, your male servant or your female servant or your livestock or the sojourner who is within your gates. For in six days the Lord made heaven and earth, the sea and all that is in them, and rested on the seventh day. Therefore the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and made it holy." Honor your father and your mother, that your days may be long in the land that the Lord your God is giving you. You shall not murder. You shall not commit adultery. You shall not steal. You shall not bear false witness against your neighbor. You shall not covet your neighbor's house. You shall not covet your neighbor's wife 
or his male servant or his female servant or his ox or his donkey or anything that is your neighbor's. This is the word of our Lord. Thanks be to God. Now grace, mercy, and peace to you from God our Father and our Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. We asked last week in our Ash Wednesday service, for what did Jesus die? In 1 Corinthians chapter 15, St. Paul makes it very clear. He gives us the first creed of the church, the proto-creed. 1 Corinthians chapter 15 starts with what he received, what he passed on to us. And the very first article of this proto-creed is the fact that Christ died for our sins. Now this entirety of Lent, we are spending time asking, what does that mean? What does it mean that he died for our sins? Well, what constitutes a sin? We understand that a sin is any thought, word, or deed, or a nature of ours that is contrary to God's will. And there is no better expression of God's will for us than in the Holy Ten Commandments. It is God's ethics for us. And last week we explained how the first and second commandments form the very basis for understanding how deeply indebted we are to God. How we are so rebellious that from birth we have idolatry in mind. And how our wandering tongues, our wandering hearts, and our very sins themselves constitute a violation of that second commandment. You shall not take the name of the Lord your God in vain. For the Lord will not hold him guiltless who takes his name in vain. We learn that God has all wrath for these sins because to violate the first commandment is to say, I don't really, well, want to worship the true God. I think I know better than him and I'm going to expect all of my good from something that is not him. And God says he visits these sins upon the third and fourth generation of those who hate him. And the second commandment, you shall not take the name of the Lord your God in vain, contains the threat in it that the Lord will not hold him guiltless who takes his name in vain. But every time we sin as Christians, people who bear the name of Christ by our very title, Christian, we take God's name in vain. If you lie to your mother, you have taken God's name in vain. If you steal a candy bar, you have taken God's name in vain. It's typically said among Lutheran pastors that if you have broken one of the Ten Commandments, you have broken all of them. This is especially true with the Second Commandment. But today we're going to be addressing the Third Commandment. And what exactly does it mean that Christ died for my sins whenever I did not honor the Sabbath day, or as Luther puts it, sanctify the holy day. Now, of course, we can reread it, and it sounds foreign to us. Remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. Six days you shall labor and do all your work. But the seventh day is a Sabbath to the Lord your God. 
On it you shall not do any work, you or your son or your daughter, your male servant or your female servant or your livestock or the sojourner who is within your gates. For in six days the Lord made heaven and earth, the sea and all that is in them, and rested on the seventh day. Therefore the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and made it holy. This is probably the most controversial of all Ten Commandments, out of every single one of them. Maybe it's not flagrantly disobeyed the same way other ones are. Lord knows when we get to you shall not commit adultery, that is one in which the world and everybody in the world loves to disobey that commandment. They rejoice in disobeying it. But everybody likes a day off, right? Everybody likes a day where they don't have to do anything. We sing songs. Today I don't feel like doing anything. And the crowd goes, do, 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 do. We all have that urge to rest. And there are entire denominations out there claiming that they must be Sabbatarians. We must have this very Jewish way of looking at Sundays. And they're not sure why it's Sunday now when it was Saturday back in the day of the Old Testament. But they're going to be the first to tell you, well, we should bring back the blue laws. Liquor stores closed on Sundays. In fact, everything should be closed except for church and maybe a gas pump somewhere in case you run out right before going to church. They will tell you all these things. We should do absolutely no work. We should just go to church. This is a woefully inaccurate way of looking at it. For by all means, rest is commanded. Rest is something that is a blessing, but our Lord Christ says, The Sabbath was made for man, not man for the Sabbath. And the author of Hebrews springboards off of this to say essentially in Hebrews chapter 4 that Christ himself is our Sabbath. Rest is something you must enter into rather than a simple lack of activity. To the contrary, the Christian understands that he rests from all his work through faith in Christ. All of our work isn't really work anymore when we are a believer. So it is no longer a single day of the week. Luther puts it quite plainly here when he says, Our word, holy day or holiday, this is from the large catechism, is so called from the Hebrew word Sabbath, which means properly to rest, to cease from labor. Hence our common expression for stopping work literally means observing a holy day or holiday. In the Old Testament, God set apart the seventh day and appointed it for rest, and he commanded it to be kept holy above all other days. As far as outward observance is concerned, the commandment was given to the Jews alone. They were to abstain from hard work and to rest, so that both man and beast might be refreshed and not be exhausted by constant labor. In time, however, the Jews interpreted this commandment too narrowly and grossly misused it. Do you want the number one example of how nobody can keep this law? It's the Arab. The Talmud claims that you cannot travel or be outdoors 
during the Sabbath day because traveling, you see, is work. Walking down the street is work. You shouldn't be doing any of that, thank you very much. But they wanted to go places. They wanted to walk around. So they decided to uh, hang a big wire around New York City and other places, other cities. And, uh, well, that makes everything indoors, you see, so they can travel to the local liquor store or the 7-Eleven, wherever it is they happen to want to go. If this commandment was so easy to keep, to just tell people to rest, I doubt that the Arab would have been invented. But it's one thing to look down on Orthodox Jews and Hasidic Jews, Uh, making fun little escape clauses for them to do as they please. That's not how this commandment is truly expressed. Although, yes, Jesus did die for everybody who worked on the Sabbath during the Old Testament times. Christ has indeed died for everybody that decided they were just too restless and had to get some chores done on the Sabbath day or else all was lost. For everybody who did commerce on the Sabbath day, Christ died for them. But God replaced the meaning of the third commandment to something much more stringent even more difficult to the point where I imagine that there are people listening to this live stream right now, or if they are listening to it on SoundCloud later, that are violating it. What does our good Dr. Martin Luther have to say about the third commandment? When you are asked what you shall sanctify the holy day means, answer, it means to keep it holy. What is meant by keeping it holy? Nothing else than to to devote it to holy words, holy works, holy life. In itself, the day needs no sanctification, for it was created holy, but God wants it to be holy to you. So it becomes holy or unholy on your account, according as you spend the day in doing holy or unholy things. How does this sanctifying take place? Not when we sit behind the stove and refrain from external work or deck ourselves with garlands and dress up in our best clothes, but as has been said, when we occupy ourselves with God's word and exercise ourselves in it. Oh, this could be one day a week when we go to church. This could be this very Lenten service that we're having right now. If we are not devoting ourselves and focusing upon God's word, we are not obeying this law. And Christ died for that, even if you are engaged in it right now, distracted with fun things, your mind off in la-la land. It is something we can't help, but it is a sin for which our Lord Christ went to the cross. You see, I mentioned Hebrews chapter 4. Rest is something You enter, and the author of Hebrews makes it very clear that we enter into that rest by faith. How is it that we obtain faith? How is it that we live in faith? Romans 10.17 says, Faith comes by hearing, and hearing by the word concerning Christ. So we have to hear the word. 
We have to treasure the word. We have to cherish the word of God. But if a single fly were to enter into this office from which we are streaming, I would be distracted. I would no longer be focusing upon God's word. If I say one word, I guarantee you almost every man listening to this, I believe we have two or three women here, but if I say one word, guarantee you it's going to conjure up mental images and immediately you're distracted. Ready? Girls. Instantaneously images of women might pop into our head. Or for the nerdier people out there, maybe a little bit myself included, anime. And we, I don't even have to say anything. This word, any word, whatever power word it is that pops into your mind can totally distract you and derail you from focusing on God's word and on the blessings and treasures that his word provides for us. So when we are supposed to spend this time focusing on God's message for us, and in fact, not just focusing on it during a worship service, a Lenten service, or Sunday morning, or a matin service, whenever you find yourself in devotion, it's supposed to be your entire life, Martin Luther writes, Therefore you must continually keep God's word in your heart, on your lips, and in your ears. It is supposed to be our everything. We enter God's rest by faith. The rest from all of our works that we find ourselves doing. But the slightest distraction from that. The slightest uh, disdain we might express for focusing upon God. Or doing all things for his glory. Means that we are in violation of this commandment. And we have put another nail in Christ's hand. We have pushed the thorns deeper into his forehead. St. Paul writes in Colossians, Whatever you do, do it heartily as unto the Lord. I am not saying that we have to sit on the ground and read the Bible until we starve to death. Heaven forbid. God has given us vocations. He has given us blessings to enjoy. But if we don't enjoy this on account of what God has given to us and done for us, if we don't perform our vocation heartily as unto the Lord, knowing that our job, our family life, our chores, everything is a duty unto God. It is our ministry. If we neglect these matters, then even the mundane becomes sinful. St. Paul writes in Romans chapter 14, whatever is done without faith is sin. So we find ourselves in a place now where on account of this third commandment, we are in a harder position than if it was just take a day off. And even the people out there, the Orthodox Jews and the Hasidics, all of those individuals who still see it as just a day of complete and total rest, even they can't keep that formulation this is the most controversial of all Ten Commandments simply because so few people 100% agree on what it says. Yet we are in a position where if you look at what it truly means, we are all violating it constantly. 
We are failing to be in devotion to God. We are so distracted, whether it is by a single word or a fly on the wall, whatever it is that distracts us and causes us to be in a state of disdain for God's word, we're violating it. And we insult God by telling him he is not important enough to us to be devoted to. And this is to say nothing of all the assaults on the word of God that we have from so many denominations. How many times have we heard a single verse taken out of context and abused? Now, if the good Dr. Martin Luther says that we are to be devoted to God's word and that that is a huge part of fulfilling this third commandment, then if somebody takes a verse out of context to try to make you do something or think something that is not true, if they prevent, present a false teaching to you, they have disdained God's word. They are not holding to true faith. They are violating the commandment to sanctify the holy day. And remember, for a Christian now, Every day is the Sabbath because we are supposed to have entered into the rest that is faith in Christ Jesus. This commandment becomes so expansive through this that every time somebody pulls out Galatians 3.28 to make sure you're, you go into all the neighborhoods that they want you to go into, they're in sin. Yes, they violate the second great commandment by taking God's name in vain, saying that the Lord said something when the Lord had not spoken to what it is they want him to say. But they have also spat on God's word and taken their faith away from what he has declared. If you've broken one commandment, you've broken them all, haven't you? Indeed, this is a sin for which Christ has died. All the scholarship in the world does not take that away. Somebody can deny the inspiration of all of the Holy Scripture if they want. They can go out there from their pulpit and say, you know, the Word is, you know, the Bible contains the Word of God. We should never say that it is the Word of God because there's this thing called historical context and there's all these differences between the manuscripts. So really, like, the Word of God is there somewhere in the Bible, but it is not synonymous with it. They can say that all they want. And they can claim that this excuses their disdain for what God has taught us through Holy Scripture. But it does not change the fact that they are violating the third commandment, that they are in deep, impenitent sin. Their refusal to love God's message to them, their refusal to be in devotion to God's word, Oh, man. It really is that bad. Because what is this commandment but a commandment for you and me and for everybody to approach God in faith and take him seriously? To listen when he speaks. To respond in joy and in faith. To orient our very souls to him. We don't do that. Instead, we disdain God. We hold him in open contempt. You can, in theory, obey the first holy commandment and have no other gods but the true God. You can, in theory, 
hold to the second commandment and obey it and always seek the good of God's name and give him a good name and try to order your life aright, but at the same time have nothing but contempt for God. You can say that you worship him, but you don't like him very much. You don't really want to hear from God. In Exodus chapter 20, how do the people of Israel respond to God speaking to them directly with these holy commandments? From verse 18. Now when all the people saw the thunder and the flashes of lightning and the sound of the trumpet and the mountain smoking, the people were afraid and trembled and they stood far off and said to Moses, You speak to us and we will listen, but do not let God speak to us lest we die. Now, later on, God says this is right. He sees that they properly fear him. But would any other context be justified like that? If somebody says, oh, you speak to me, I'm not going to hear from this God that you're proclaiming. Uh, you, give me the direct, the, you give me the lesson, Pastor. What's the TLDR on God's word? I can't be bothered to study it on my own. I can't be bothered to read the Bible every day. Uh, prayer isn't my thing. You pray for me, pastor. That's violating the third commandment. That's showing open contempt for God. And there is a part of every single human being's heart that does this. That drags us away from loving devotion and worship for our Lord. And from listening, hearing his word, treasuring it with faith. Drags us away. And we look at God with, again, open contempt or even disgust. When we hear somebody bring up, maybe you have an atheist friend that's like, I heard about all the genocides in the Old Testament, and you're putting your stamp of approval on that by being a Christian. And you find yourself making excuses for it. Or somebody says, ah, oh, you believe in zombie Jesus, don't you? And you find yourself trying to laugh it off. Well, our Lord Christ responds to that. Whoever is ashamed of me and of my words in this age, I will be ashamed of him before my Father at the final judgment. That is the power and the threat of this commandment. That we cannot sanctify the holy day by our own power. That God loved us, his enemies, so much that he was willing to send his son to die for us. The first commandment, Christ died for our violations of that. Christ died for people who from birth are idolaters. Who openly worship other gods instead of him, whether they want to admit it or not. God died for the disloyal. The second commandment, our propensity to lie about God. To speak when he has not spoken. To give him a bad name when we make all of Christianity look foolish to the world on account of our bad conduct. Christ said, I'm going to die for these fools. And now we come to the third commandment. Where it's plain to me, at least hopefully more than just me, that Christ died for people who didn't like him very much. And it's one thing for somebody to be an open enemy. I actually appreciate having open enemies. What few of them are willing to come up to me and say they hate me. They don't like me. They wish I was dead. 
I appreciate that because at least they have the courtesy to talk to me. But when we violate the third commandment, we become that passive-aggressive frenemy. Who doesn't want to be around you? Oh, no. We just don't want to be around him because, you know, he's never in a good mood. It's never fun to be around him. Jesus died for that. Jesus died for the man who took his mina, his talent, dug it in the ground, and hid it. And when his master returned, he says, Master, I know that you're a hard man, sowing where you have not reaped. I know that you're that guy. So here's your talent. This is yours. I, I just don't think very highly of your character. And, you know, I, I kind of just hid from you. Jesus died for that man. He died for every single one of us who in our laziness and in our refusal to truly be devoted to him, we all do the exact same thing. So for this Lenten devotion, closing up, may we remember that our Lord Christ loved you when you didn't like him, much less love him. That he was devoted to you when you refused to be devoted to him. And oh yes, it is a devotion. Hardly any of us can imagine dying for another person. Maybe we abstract it. Oh yes, if somebody breaks into the house, I'll hold them off while my wife and children get away. Oh yes, maybe that'll happen. But we never really think about the devotion that that requires of us. And Christ is devoted to you, beloved. Imagine that kind of love for us that he has, such that he would say, these people who are not devoted to me, I will be devoted to them. I will show love to the loveless. I will show kindness to those who have no kindness. And I will be merciful to the ruthless. For every man that stood there mocking him and spitting on him, breaking that third commandment in the most egregious way, mocking Christ who was upon the cross. He said, Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. And that takes a real love. And we praise God for it. So then, now we are in the season of Lent. I would hope that from last week, from Ash Wednesday, we, could, we renewed and redoubled our efforts to worship God in spirit and, and in truth and to cast away any idols in our hearts. We devoted ourselves to speaking truthfully what God teaches us and to avoid giving God a bad name here on earth. Today then, knowing that Christ died for a sin that is so egregious that almost everything we do, if it is not in faith and in devotion to God, that we break that commandment. It, if Christ died for that, something so expansive, then let us resolve to be devoted to him and to let everything, whatever we do, may it be done heartily as unto the Lord, with open ears and open minds. Lord, have mercy on us, because this is a commandment we break the most naturally. Amen. Now the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus our Lord. 
Amen.